I'm Bridget Owens, and you're listening to the Waxing Soul Podcast, where we're adventuring into the world of mindful modern magic and authentic spiritual practice. It's September 8th, 2022, and today's topic is an in-depth exploration of the differences and dynamics between the New Age movement and neo-paganism. Are you ready to grow your soul? I'm really excited to start in on these episodes exploring the contrasts, dualities, dichotomies, uh, even contradictions that come up around spirituality and magic. And today we're going to do a full and fully nuanced exploration of New Age and paganism because so much of what we find in the spirituality and magic community and spaces these days is something of a kind of weird soupy mixture of the two. And that's not really surprising. They they aren't really opposites. There's some overlap in concepts and beliefs for a lot of reasons that we'll get into. But the reason that this is where I wanted to start is because despite the overlap, there's also a fair amount of, you know, animosity and also rightful criticism on both sides for the other side. And I've been witnessing and, and sometimes engaging a bit in some of that back and forth. And it's, I know I always mention TikTok eventually, but the funny thing is that this, you know, nebulous community on the app, which everyone refers to as Witch Talk, is just swirling with lots of pagan and neo-pagan ideas, also tons of new age thought and beliefs. And the result is that newcomers to the craft who find it on TikTok and I mean, this is true on Instagram and, and elsewhere in social media too, but just most pronounced on TikTok, um, they end up kind of picking up all this stuff without knowing what comes from where, and then getting into these confusing arguments about all of you know this stuff potentially being bad. So there's lots of discourse about how how New Age thought is, you know, an ableist, victim-blaming mashup of appropriated Eastern spiritual ideas and misunderstood science fashioned into something that teaches kind of exactly what modern Christianity does, but with psychedelics and yoga. And also lots of discourse about how, you know, neo-paganism isn't really a continuation of the old, old ways. It's mostly built on poorly researched historical fiction and idealistic fantasy role play, which attracts predators and racists and opportunistic scam artists, which, you know, is all largely true and yet is not the whole picture. When I was first introduced to witchcraft, um, it was, you know, through this meetup that I've mentioned before, I didn't really know anything about Wicca or any other magic-y traditions other than, you know, my parents taught that you know, <laughs> they were dangerous. <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time had started to kind of dabble in it, or at least become interested in dabbling. And this was, you know, back around 2005 or so. And of course, a ton of what we talked about at the meetup was heavily steeped in Wicca. Now, nearly everyone called themselves a solitary eclectic witch at that point in time. But still, most of the resources out there were, you know, of the Wiccan variety. And I don't remember much New Age stuff really being mixed in. The The biggest overlap at the time was maybe with astrology, but I actually don't remember the witchy community talking really actively about that, 
we were more about, you know, the moon, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, meditation was a shared thing to various degrees, depending on the practitioner. But fast forward a bit. And when I started working as a freelancer and began working with entrepreneurs in the like coaching and healing space, I started getting introduced to all kinds of new age ideas and practices, um, at least the way they exist now. And there's all the you know, the the new age as it emerged in the 70s and all of that is just the roots of what is out there now, just like, you know, Wicca isn't nearly as central to everything anymore. And now we've got, you know, all the law of attraction stuff and the natural healing modalities and etc. And the more I saw what that side of the fence was up to, uh, the more I realized how many parallels there really were, like mostly just a matter of like, kind of different words used to mean pretty much the same thing, even if they were being kind of achieved in very different manners. So like witches might call it magic and spiritual healers might call it manifestation, but it's all about making things happen through thoughts and beliefs and specific, you know, practices. And lots of, you know, I, I don't think it was so much that there had been huge shifts in the new age and new age adjacent spaces, but even things like mediumship and channeling and stuff like that was beginning to look more and more like and overlap a lot with pagan concepts like ancestor work and deity work. And the vocabulary and methodologies blended together more than I'd been really aware of before. And part of the dynamic of, I know this isn't the entire explanation of how the kind of muddy water situation has come to be, but there has been a tangible shift even in really sort of conservative parts of like the Bible Belt, in just how mainstream and open the pagan community has become. Like when I first joined the meetup locally, we met we met in public, we met at a coffee shop in the Borders <laughs> bookstore, but that meant that tons of people in the community wouldn't come because they were afraid to be seen kind of openly associating with witches and pagans. And there were... You know, lots of people used different names when logging into RSVP to meetups. You know, even once we started meeting in a more private private space, um, there was one witchy shop in town and they kind of pretended that they were just a bookstore, like just made sure not to, they didn't openly advertise their existence, <laughs> didn't call a lot of attention. So, you know, you kind of had to know someone who knew someone to connect with groups and covens and stuff. But that's, you know, opened up in a huge way. And I know that it's not just here. And then plus then 2020 happened. And part of what happened there is that, you know, since I work in the coaching space, helping, you know, other entrepreneurs build their businesses online, that was a hugely expansive time for that kind of work. So many people, everyone and their mom, you know, rushed to find ways to build businesses online, to transfer their brick and mortar businesses and practices online, you know, to finally chase their passions instead of relying on like nine to five jobs. And tons of that movement was spiritual practitioners and new age practitioners and professionals in, in health and wellness fields that were building coaching practices and bringing in their own spiritual practices as well to, you know, help differentiate themselves and to tap into that, that market, which was like booming. So many of the big name coaches and authors and motivational leaders 
I mean, they, they teach stuff that can be traced back to, you know, new age origins, if it's not just outright, obviously new agey stuff. So there was this year or so, maybe year and a half of a surge in spiritual coaching, therapy with spiritual practices added in, business coaching plus spirituality and magic and like all these different practitioners rushing online to offer programs to, you know, help people through all the upheaval and chaos and difficulty. So as, as witches and occultists are kind of going mainstream more and more, and all of this new age stuff, riding this wave of opportunity and promotion, it kind of feeds into this whirlpool of influences and bits of different belief systems and practices. And now lots of people practice in this kind of in-between space this blend of what purports to be the old ways and what purports to be cutting edge sort of spiritual science. Now, in the interest of nuance, (laughs) in an effort to kind of taffy pull this stuff apart and see what's in the spaces in between, I think it's important to acknowledge those shared aspects, the, the kind of natural overlaps and the bonds between the two. And not just specific practices, but the fact that both neo-pagan traditions and new age influenced philosophies pull really heavily from spiritual practices and traditions all over the world in a way that often removes them from their contexts and tries to recontextualize them to sort of fit modern Western culture. And it's, I don't think we can have a truly meaningful investigation or exploration into all of this without discussing and acknowledging that this creates and has always created an environment which encourages appropriation in what can be really damaging ways. Like, yeah, some of it just becomes nonsensical or made up. On the, on the pagan side, definitely, there's a lot of what is, like, as time goes on, we have the benefit of better and more <laughs> easily accessed research and knowledge about past practices and the cultures they come from and what those practices look like in those cultures today. And it's actually pretty easy in a lot of cases to look at the assumptions and the kind of weird twisted versions of fantasy history that a lot of these practices are built on and see that they, they aren't very connected at all (laughs) to the reality of those cultures and spiritual traditions. But the pagan community is kind of slow to acknowledge that as a whole and to shift their practices, you know, accordingly, because, you know, they've now taken on a life of their own, right? And there's something about it which still works, even if it's based on fantasy and appropriation and all that. But there are things which are still harmful to others, harmful to, you know, these source cultures, in ways that really should be acknowledged and and attempts should be made to rectify the damage. And definitely the same for, for the New Age. For, from the source ideas that, you know, kind of gave rise to these ideas as a movement, they've pulled a ton from especially, you know, Eastern spiritual traditions. But in a way that detaches this stuff from cultural roots and kind of mashes it up with vaguely scientific ideas, <laughs> and then it's repackaged to be useful and palatable for people who, who don't have any connection or understanding of the source traditions. And where paganism draws from really old traditions or what we'd like to think the old traditions were like, 
you know, those aren't, that really aren't so much like living still active traditions anymore in their cultures of origin. New age thought pulls from, you know, the Eastern traditions like Hinduism and Buddhism are still alive and well. (laughs) People are literally speaking out about the ways that, you know, ideas, core ideas and practices have been taken and repackaged and, you know, in ways that aren't particularly respectful. Um, they get sold for, you know, lots of money in, in markets which push out and exclude those who have this actual cultural connection, who are practitioners of these things in a cultural sense. And I bring all that up because on some level, at this point in the evolution of all these things, there's, there is a commonality of mission, an overlap of, you know, both types of practices and approaches appeal to people and are being adopted for similar reasons because because all of this at some level comes down to some desire for spiritual practices that address the challenges of modern life which for those of us in the west especially for those of us whose cultural roots have been pulled up by colonialism and all of that mess um the biggest challenges are cultural and personal people are you know we're living through a time when People struggle more than anything with health and stability and security and interpersonal relationships and lack of cultural foundation. And we're all trying to feel better physically, mentally, and spiritually and trying to feel like we understand what's going on around us, why why people act and think the way they do and why they disagree with what we think is right and what our place is, where our power is in our world. And there isn't you know, let's be honest, modern Christianity doesn't provide <laughs> tangible means for tackling all that. It tells people to have faith and that it'll be okay. Um, and I think it's, you know, clearly it's not working for lots of people. And otherwise we have science, which doesn't, you know, science isn't meant to, you know, produce spiritual tools. It produces data, but that's not enough to fill the needs either. And so we do tend to kind of feel around and grab onto things which which fill those needs. Older traditions, older philosophies had this stuff, so we we adopt pieces. It makes sense, right? <laughs> Why we do it makes sense. And the more society shifts and pushes people into a search for these ways to understand the world, understand the universe, cope with the challenges and hardships the more the line between things we've labeled as pagan and things which have roots in new age thought are are going to get commingled and blended together. And that's going to look like what we're already seeing, you know, things like the idea of magic kind of expanding beyond this idea of, you know, hippie goths waving wands in the woods and including stuff like law of attraction, manifestation practices, and those being kind of melded together into something that plays well on social media. And I don't, I know I'm using pretty irreverent language to describe this stuff, but, but there is value there. We wouldn't do it if we didn't find value in it, right? <laughs> and that's, that's part of the nuance that we need to recognize and think through. If we appropriate ideas from a culture which is not ours and has been negatively impacted by that appropriation and we twist those ideas into something different and what gets created out of those ideas still works and is still, you know, found to be valuable and useful, what does that all mean? Like, can we shift our relationship to the ideas in a way that recognizes the harm done through the appropriation, which is inherently harmful because it's part of how, you know, colonization works to oppress and exploit other cultures. 
but still retain and continue to use and evolve those ideas in ways that don't continue to do that harm. Year two of the Waxing Soul podcast is all about ideas in action. Join my mailing list at bridgetowens.com slash podcast for a weekly self-growth challenge plus all the latest news and more fun stuff. Now back to the episode. We'll come back to those previous questions in a bit, but as much as there are commonalities and overlap between pagan practices, pagan ideas, and new age practices and ideas, I think it's also really important to, as we're doing this taffy pull and looking at how they merge and how they pull apart, to recognize that there are some inherent differences, especially since when things get muddy, when we're watching this stuff overlap and trade vocabulary and equate some ideas which maybe aren't as compatible as it seems on the surface, that's where conflicts happen. And that's where we get stuff like the attention that people are starting to put on the more harmful ideas which come up. Um, in the last in the last month or so on TikTok, there have been big blow-ups about how manifestation and law of attraction teachings can be really harmful to people who are neurodivergent or struggle with mental health issues. There's a constant hum of conflict around appropriation of native cultural elements, both in aesthetic and practice, which, you know, feels and sounds so much like the conversation about New Age ideas and Eastern religion and culture. There's been arguments about the difference between spiritual awakening and psychosis. There's been arguments about the nature of the relationships people have with, you know, deities and beings that they channel or worship or work with. And and all of that, there's been conflicts about the ethics of selling and spreading certain ideas who is actually an expert on things, what it even means to be an expert or a teacher, and if it's okay to profit on these things, and to what extent. And it's all, at some level, we have to acknowledge that these ideas, these practices on both sides, they don't exist as formal organized religions. And even formal organized religions struggle to kind of contain and control the ways in which the ideas and teachings and whatever evolve and change and get taken up by individuals in unintended ways. So there's really no way to appeal to people from a place of authority or standards or rules. This is all just an organic discussion which works to shape and establish things in real time. Which is, you know, why I think this pursuit of nuance is is so crucial that's really what we should be doing as as spiritual people seeking even individual clarity and connection. You know, as individuals, even if we come to conclusions which differ from those around us, the process of looking into the spaces between is just so important. But anyway, there are some really important contrasts between paganism and new age thought. The most obvious being that in large part, and I'm speaking in broad generalities here because paganism is not an organized thing, by and large. But in large part, paganism, neo-paganism, even if it's not flat-out Reconstructionist, it very much sinks its anchor in the past. The idea is that modernity is maybe not the best thing. After all, we've, you know, destroyed the environment and we've forgotten the old ways. There's this kind of through line in thought about how our ancestors were 
forced to convert to Christianity or how the witches in the past were persecuted and killed and that modern pagan paths are an effort to kind of reclaim that, to reconnect with that past. Lots of the New Age thought, on the other hand, like I mentioned before, pulls from a lot of Eastern traditions which are still very much alive and well, <laughs> despite colonialism. And it's and so it's not it's not the you know reclamation of a lost wisdom as much as picking out parts which align with more modern ideas. So this is, you know, the starseed and ancient aliens ideas and all of that stuff that arises largely out of UFO cults. That's not something that appears much in paganism. You know, I've, I've been part of some interesting real life conversations recently about, you know, for instance, the similarities between abduction stories and accounts of fae encounters. But it's not, you know, there's a difference between the metaphysics and paranormal topics associated with New Age and the magical and spirit-based stuff in pagan traditions. New Age thought dresses things up in science and tech, and paganism dresses things up in historical fantasy. <laughs> it's, it's an important distinction, but it's, the point here is nuance, not to pit one against the other and determine which way is right or even which is less problematic. But it's a place from which to understand things like different approaches to, for instance, magic and manifestation, which are maybe not exactly the same thing, but have significant overlap. You know, the core idea from which the New Age movement arose involves this belief that humanity is supposed to ascend into a new age, that our consciousness is supposed to transform and be elevated, and that this is some kind of destiny we're working towards, and therefore... Ideas that have also come out of the movement, even in more recent years, like the Law of Attraction, aren't about just manifesting anything an individual needs or wants. It's about transforming the world by raising the consciousness of the individual. And it's been, you know, it's been pointed out by many people <laughs> that the idea that there's a destiny of enlightenment for those who raise themselves out of low vibe states and stay in higher vibration really looks like repackaged Christianity, re, you know, repackaged teachings about sin and salvation and rapture. Like there's, there's rightful criticism about how this holds people responsible for their own oppression and doesn't do anything to combat or, or break down oppressive societal systems and instead works to help uphold and maintain them. And that's all, you know, it's easy to see those things. But it's also this puts a very different spin on the, the why and how when it comes to magic and manifestation. Manifestation is self-improvement practice because the idea is that by mastering it, you're raising your vibration and becoming a being of higher consciousness. And I'm going to come back to this idea as well, but it's a significant contrast between that context, that way of thinking about this, this act or practice of using thought and word and maybe a few other tools to make things happen in ways that are outside our hands-on physical cause and effect abilities. Um, a significant contrast between that and the way magic is taught in neo-pagan circles. Because in pagan traditions, magic is passed down. It's a passed down practice, one with some kind of lineage. And which often, not always, but often carries this energy of, you know, our ancestors perfected this stuff and it has to be done right to some extent, to follow some kind of structure. It's not really experimental, it's traditional. The point of learning it is to carry on that tradition, to tap into and access the knowledge and power that our ancestors had. 
and, you know, which were meant to, you know, pass on through the generations. And it's really interesting to see how even though the approaches are really different in that sense, where manifestation is about bringing forth a future reality and, and magic is about preserving and carrying on old ways, at some point they start to mingle and become one sort of confused thing um, where you know maybe the enlightened future looks like the imagined past or maybe the knowledge our ancestors had was really more advanced and elevated than what we have now and we're regaining it you know super interesting thing ha- things happen when we get to the middle of the spectrum where people are forced to kind of cobble together some working hypothesis about how how these are compatible how can how you can have it both ways you know is it old is it new does it matter is what we're seeking something we we already had in the past is the key to reaching the future part of lost knowledge is time even real <laughs> you know it's it's those questions that that push us forward more than the answers do if you love the waxing soul connect with me online bridgetowens.com is the central hub for all my projects including books card decks and resources go there to get my latest book deep self magic to connect as a potential podcast guest and to find out all the latest news also find me on tiktok instagram and facebook as bridget owens magic and on twitter as waxing soul Of course, there's also the more direct path of overlap, by which I mean modern uh, occultism. You know, the roots of the New Age movement fall under, you know, occultism, which the occult isn't, isn't about learning or using the practices themselves so much. It's really focused on, I kind of think of it as the theoretical science side of magic. It's not about, you know, old superstitions and how our great, 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 great grandmother celebrated the solstice and healed people with herbs. It's, it's the pursuit of knowledge beyond the confines of material reality. So magic is a subject matter within occultism and magic within occult spaces tends to the, the ceremonial, experimental, that kind of thing. The how and why magic works is approached within occult circles as, as something to be investigated and picked apart and experimented with to understand it, which is not really, you know, someone learning magic in a more folk magic sense, actual like reconstructionist or folk magic, it isn't necessarily on a mission to understand how the fabric of the universe goes together, yeah, how magic works, you know, so the boundaries can be pushed, that kind of thing. Which stands to reason, because even if it's rooted in a flawed understanding of the old beliefs and ways, it's it's true still that the old beliefs were about present reality at that point in time rather than the theoretical. Like, magic worked because it tapped into something natural, and it didn't have to be understood and contemplated at the deepest philosophical and metaphysical level to be useful. And the thing is, though neo-paganism has its roots in occultism just like new age movement but where new age latches onto this kind of metaphysical science angle and comes up through theosophy we we get a ton of modern neo-pagan ideas through things like wicca which you know gardner was an occultist he just wrapped it up in this structure which he thought was the revival or the continuation of an ancient cult which never actually existed and I think maybe the most important thing to take from that bit of knowledge 
is that these kinds of movements, which are honestly inherently problematic, but which do contain useful practices and, and scratch some very specific spiritual itches for people, they tend to arise when that occultist-type search for higher understanding and knowledge gets like picked up by someone who becomes convinced that they have a definite concrete answer of some sort. It's, it's when a piece of that theoretical bit gets kind of tacked down and is no longer subject to question and change. And ultimately, the thing about this push and pull between these two separate points on the kind of occult spectrum is that they both appeal to people because they are a path to gaining some control and power in a society which doesn't allow us much of either one. And, you know, I don't know what the statistics on it exactly are, but I've heard it said more than once that when things start to get dicey in society and things start to feel more unstable, more precarious at the cultural level, people start to turn towards magic more. And it makes sense that in times of chaos, there's some portion of the population that doesn't want, you know, religion to tell us it's going to be okay in the end. <laughs> we want it, we want to get access to the stuff we can use to deal with it the way we want to, right? And for some, it's more appealing to follow this idea that there's a transformation happening in the world, that we can work on ourselves and connect directly to a higher power and be part of the coming of a new age of consciousness. And for some, it's more appealing to reclaim an old way of life that was simpler and tied to nature that we can, you know, take care of ourselves the way our ancestors did. And I think a big part of the nuance that is missed when these sort of tug of war things get going is that you know, people don't adopt practices and traditions and philosophies for purely academic or logical reasons. Like not when it comes to spirituality that they actually practice and care about. Like we all found ourselves attracted or drawn to the path that we're on for some reason that probably had more to do with the promise that like some particular technique or ritual or methodology would, would address some specific need that we had. And that's whether we're talking about legitimate spiritual and cultural traditions, or we're talking about dangerous cults, if they're appealing to new members, they're doing so by speaking to what we feel we need most in the moment. And all the other stuff, the problematic stuff, the intellectual stuff, the stuff that we end up arguing about, that all comes later. Those first steps, you know, we all found something that answered some call within us, right? So if we recognize that all the points from New Age beliefs to neo-pagan beliefs and all the stuff in between, no matter how far we, you know, stretch the taffy and look at the little differentiated bits in there, it's all just an infinite number of attempts to fill in what is essentially the same blank. And, and that all of them seem to do a decent job of that on an individual level for some people, and none of them do a very good job of being a good answer for greater humanity. So the search clearly should continue. And there's no... No matter what, how you know, no matter how much we get into this infinite expansion of this particular spectrum, if the ultimate correct answer exists, it isn't in there. <laughs> there are bits of more value than others. There's stuff that works and answers to be found, and all of that. But it's if we take things back to the roots, like back to the roots of you know the occult, we can take another shot at combining old ways and modern metaphysics 
in a way that produces something modern, like a modern form of magic, which provides the practical application and connection to the present that folk magic did and does, but yet still plays around at the edge of science and discovery like New Age ideas try to do. And on top of that, maybe doesn't perpetuate the oppression of marginalized cultures while taking and misusing their, their religious and, and spiritual systems. And then also doesn't deal in fantasy parading as history. Like, I think it's worth asking if we can do better by kind of saving what's good and going back to the drawing board for the rest. And I think it's also worth asking if there's enough to save from this kind of middle ground, this middle ground mashup of magic and manifestation and lunar observances and astrology and mythology and metaphysics. You know, is there enough to save and separate from the problematic stuff and still have a spiritual tradition left over? Like if you take away the appropriation and exploitation of other cultures and the fabricated history elements, what is left and what can we do with it? And I think there's actually quite a lot. <laughs> and I also think that that's a great segue into a good topic for next week's episode, um, which I think will be cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. Thank you so much for listening. New episodes of The Waxing Soul drop every Thursday. All materials and resources except the music are copyright Bridget Owens. Many thanks to my readers, listeners, friends, mentors, inspirations, and my family for riding with me into season two. And until next week, blessed be and be good to yourself. <laughs>